A reading from the book of Philippians. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. For one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think other, and if anything you think otherwise, God re- will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those whom walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject things, all things, to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. The word of the Lord. All right, well, good morning. I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. Happy New Year. And I'm excited again to bring the message to you this morning. The first message of the new year. Couldn't be more excited. And so for those of you who don't know, my name is Cody Quinn. I'm the pastor of Students and Connections here at One Fellowship. And before we dive in, let's say one more quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for a new year. And Father, we just pray that as this new year progresses, that we would become more and more like you. That's the number one goal. That's the best resolution we can make is to be more like you. And so Father, as I preach this message today, may it be your words, may it cut us to the heart, and may it make us more like you. It's in your name we pray, amen and amen. So the title of my message is Straining Forward, Standing Firm. How do we strain forward? How do we do better? How do we strain forward yet stand firm? And what should we stand firm in and for? That's what we'll be talking about today. But let me begin with a story And you may have heard of this guy. The story may have even been told here in church before. But there's a story of Eric Little. He's a guy, again, you've probably heard of. He's an Olympic runner who made the audacious decision in the 1920s Olympic to not run his best race because it was held on a Sunday. His best two races because they were held on a Sunday. Instead, he decided to run two other races, one of them being the 440 meter And he ended up winning the race, although it was not his normal event, although it was not the event that he had trained for years and years and years. But how he won is almost as incredible as his decision to not race on that Sunday due to his faith and his own conviction. One author describes the win like this. The year was 1923 and the competing track teams of Scotland and France were neck to neck. But among the events remaining was the 440. 
As the runners, clad in their traditional 1920s white, came to the first turn, they were bunched tight, shoulder to shoulder, when one of them was pushed to the ground and off the track. For a second, he was down, and then up, head high, shoulders back, flying. And as the leader sprinted to the finish line, he emerged ahead to win the race. It was a famous win that's now been immortalized in the movie Chariots of Fire. But from 20 meters back, he had been pushed off the track in a race he's not used to running. Little gets up, starts running, solely focused on the finish line and ends up winning the race. And the heart behind Eric Little of getting up, pushing past what just happened, focusing on the finish line and finishing That's the heart of our passage today. That's the heart of what Paul is getting to in Philippians today. So as we dive in, our big message for today is to move past your past, focus on Christ. He has more in store. He has more in store. And we'll run through this in three different points. We must recognize, pursue, and stand. So point number one, recognize. Our scripture, Philippians 3, verse 12 through 16, read this. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And now there's two points in this part of scripture that I think Paul is uh, bringing out to us, is pulling out to us, is saying to us that need to be recognized. First, Paul recognized that in regards to Christ, His accomplishments and achievements will pair in comparison to the goodness and the grace in Christ. And two, Paul recognizes that his past holds no power over his present or his future in Christ. So first, Paul recognizes his place before God. He understands that his achievements and his accomplishments, again, hold no weight, hold hold no glory, pale in comparison to that of what's coming with God. You see, Paul was a trained Pharisee, a religious leader of the day. He was of the line of Abraham. He was the people of God, the correct ethnicity. He had planted many churches. He had even been, he had even suffered and been beaten many times over for his faith. Yet, he still knew that there was more to be learned. He still knew that he had not arrived yet to the finish line of what Christ was calling him to. He continued to strive to know Christ more and more and more. His achievements and accomplishments could take no comparison to what God was calling him to. But secondly, Paul understood that his past held no weight over God's plan for his life. You see, Paul used to be called Saul you know the story. He led a large crusade that placed many Christians in jail and even to death. 
Yet Paul looks beyond this tragic past. He looks beyond his tragic past, knowing that there's grace to be found in God. You see, God's goodness and Jesus' death and resurrection enable Paul to forget his past, to learn from his past, to leave the past in the past and to grow and to strive for what his future now holds as a believer in Christ, covered by what Jesus did on the cross. Paul David Tripp says it this way, it is grace to not be paralyzed by regret. The cross teaches that you are not stuck, not cursed to pay forever for your past. You see, Paul had to humble himself before God. He understood that God had more and better in store for him than anything that could be gained or attained here on earth. But he also had to let go of his past because God had redeemed him. God had made him new. Every failure he had ever committed was now in Christ. In Christ, Paul had new life. We can too. You can too have this new life. So will we humble ourselves before God and watch him lift us up by his grace and mercy? That is a challenge, which leads us to point number two, follow. Philippians chapter three continues in this way. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Anybody in here or online like to hunt or fish? I know I do. I, I don't get to go as often as I would like to, but I love to go when I get the chance. And every year during turkey season, we love to head home uh, because Kelsey's dad, my wife, is a huge outdoorsman. And so we love to go home during turkey season, any hunting season really, and take advantage of his skills so that I can go hunting with him. And I will say the past two years turkey hunting have been a big success. But now when I go hunting with him, basically I'm just there. I'm just following him around, doing what he tells me to do. He does all the work, and then I'm able to take down the bird. You see, Mr. Jamie finds the bird, devises the plan to get the bird, gets us into position for the bird, while I'm just following his footsteps, sitting where he tells me to sit, laying where he tells me to lay, walking where he tells me to walk. Because if it was up to me, probably wouldn't see any bird, probably wouldn't see a turkey at all. But he does all the work, and then he lets me take it down. See, I follow him step for step. Mr. Jamie's the expert. He's the one that knows what to do, where to go, and how to call them in. So I follow him, because I do not. In our passage, Paul has just let us in on the secret way to become closer to Christ, to live a better life in Christ. And it's actually a, a very not so secret way to live your best life in Christ, but it's follow those that are ahead of you. Follow those that are ahead of you on the journey in Christ and you'll set yourself up for success when you do this. Those people will set you, you up for success. In the same way, Mr. Jamie sets me up to take down the bird. 
Find you someone that will step you up to step into the fullness of God of your life. We all need a leader. We all need someone to follow. But if we're honest, oftentimes we don't do this, do we? We have so many examples that are not Christ-like examples. We find those people in our life that the Bible calls whitewashed tombs. They look super good on the outside, but inside it's just death. Many times we choose people to follow who are chasing empty pursuits. And as Paul says in the passage here, they're only chasing things that'll fill them on this earth without ever taking into account what God is trying to do in their life, what God wants to do in their life, the more that God would like to give. We must find those in our life who are godly examples, people who can show us how to love in this world that is full of hate people who can show us how to find hope in times of darkness and isolation, people who are honest and trustworthy when most of this world is full of deceit and lies just simply for personal gain. We must find people in our life who we can follow that stay grounded in Christ no matter the circumstance or the situation. The question is, do you have that person? Because all of us need them, myself, Pastor Paul, the elders, we all need this person to follow that'll help draw us closer to Christ. Do you have that person? Then the other question is, are you that person for someone? Some of you are ready to step up, slow down and see those around you that you can take in and lead and set them up for their success in Christ. Some of you are ready to be that person. Look around. Who's in need around you and how can you help lead them? Are you ready to be that person? Which leads us to point three, to stand. How do we do this? Philippians chapter three, verse 20 to four, verse one says this. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Here is where where Paul brings it all together. Why should we live for Christ? Why and how are we able to forget the past and actively strain towards what is ahead in Christ? Why should we find someone to follow that'll draw us closer to Jesus? And the answer, Paul says, is because we're not of this world. We were made for more. The world and the joys that come from it will pair in comparison to the glory and greatness of heaven. But honestly, If I'm totally honest, whenever I read scripture talking about this future in heaven, if I'm totally honest, I'm not always filled with hope. And now before you cause an uproar, hear me out. This future heaven doesn't give me all the hope that maybe it should. You know, I think about today. When is today gonna get better? When is, is 2021 gonna be any better than 2020? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this future heaven, but what about now? Maybe some of you feel that same way. 
But here's the good news and where I find tremendous hope and tremendous joy is that if you take into account what Paul's actually saying here, if you look at the context of the book of Philippians and the context of all of scripture, heaven is not just something in the future that we should be reaching for. It's something we should be living in here and now. Hear me out. In teaching his disciples how to pray, here is the beginning of the Lord's prayer in Matthew 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. On earth as in heaven. You see, heaven should not just be a future reality. Heaven should be the reality that all Christians are living in right here and right now the best way we can. Knowing that Christ will one day come and correct every wrong and make all things perfect. Tony Marita, a a pastor in Raleigh, North Carolina, and a part of Acts 29 says it this way. When you get in the presence of God's people, those who are believers, their values and their lives should point them to heaven. When you see people taking care of the vulnerable, caring for orphans, doing all that is good and right and true, giving to the poor, speaking edifying words to each other, outdoing one another in showing honor, showing no partiality or racism, putting the needs of others ahead of their own, one should say, this smells like heaven. Heaven should be lived out each and every day by those who are believers in Jesus. And this is why Paul closes his thoughts in chapter four, verse one with, stand firm thus in the Lord. See, our world today is clearly not a picture of heaven. You don't have to look very far to see people who hate, people who lie, people who steal, people who are in pain, people who have no hope because their hope is misplaced. Oftentimes, all you have to do is look in the mirror if we're honest. And yes, I can place my hope in the future glory of heaven, but I can also place my hope in Christ who gives me strength to live out his kingdom here on earth today. So how can we live out this part of the Lord's prayer, bringing heaven down to earth? Well, it will not happen if we never let go of our past, the good and the bad of our past. We can't find our hope in our bank account. We can't find our hope in the job that we hold. We can't find our hope in who's in office We can't find our hope in the grades we make at school or in the degrees that we hold. To live out God's will on earth as in heaven, the one thing we must do is stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. He's the only one who will last through the ages and he's the only one in which we can place our trust. And so practically, how do we do that? How can we do that as a family? The one way is get to know him. Get to know him, read your Bible. And as a church here at One Fellowship, we started this last year and we're continuing it this year, going through the Bible in one year. You can Google Bible in one year. You can go to the app store to Bible in one year and find the app. But it's a great devotional app that'll take you through the Bible from page one to the last page. And there's a devotion that goes along with it. And this year they made some updates. If you started doing it last year and like, holy cow, this is a lot of reading. 
It takes 30, 45 minutes, depending on how fast you read. 45 for me, if I'm honest. It's a little slower. But if you said that's a lot, this year they made an update where there's an express version and even a youth version that take a little less time. I think it's about 10 minutes a day. And so we would love for you to, to join in with us reading through the Bible for the purpose of not to read through the Bible. That's a cool goal and that's a cool accomplishment, but the purpose is to get to know Christ more, to be closer to him. So won't you join us reading the Bible in one year? But here's the deal. Don't let your past get in the way. In Christ, you're forgiven and made new. Don't let your achievements and accomplishments in this world get in the way. In Christ, there is so much more. But let us place our hope in the firm foundation of Christ himself. And so as we begin a new year, remember this, to move past your past, focus or stand firm in Christ. He has much, much, much more in store for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your goodness, even when it's hard to see it. God, we thank you for the hope that you place before us, even when it's hard to find it. God, I pray that like Paul, we can set aside our accomplishments and achievements. We can focus on you knowing that there's more. Father, I pray for all those who are stuck in their past because of their own decisions or just because of how 2020 treated them. God, that we can press on, we can learn from, we can grow, and we can have a positive 2021 because you are in charge and because you are on the throne. And in you, there is always hope. Father, help us to find those in which we can follow. And God, help us to find someone that we can take on the journey with us. Father, you deserve all the glory and the praise, and we give that to you this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.